Psalm 16, 11 says, no, Psalm 16, uh, yeah, 16, 11. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to speak to you about the presence of God. In Isaiah chapter 64, and uh, they don't have any of this to put on the screen because they didn't know I was going to preach this. I want you to listen to a cry of a man who longed for the presence of God because he knew that it was the manifested presence of God that changed everything. Now, if there are three dimensions to the presence of God that we experience as believers. First of all, there's the promised presence of God. Where two or three are gathered in my name. There I will be in the middle of them. And if any two, and he goes on and says, and if any two shall agree on any one thing and ask, it will be granted of my Father in heaven. So that's the promised presence of God. Are you telling me, Brother Fred, that if any two or three people gather in the name of Jesus, he's there? No, I'm not. That's not what he's saying. Let me tell you what it means. Where two or three are gathered in my name, it, that it means this. They're gathered in submission to his name. They come together with a realization that Jesus Christ is Lord. So they're gathered in submission to his name. And they're gathered for the glory and honor of his name. And they're gathered to pro 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 proclaim his name. So that's the promised presence of God, where two or three are gathered in my name and sur submission to my name, for the glory of my name, for the proclamation of my name. There I am in the middle of them. And then there's the, the, what, what, uh, another aspect of the presence of God. That's the uh, manifest presence of God. And the best picture of that is in Acts chapter 4, 30, verse 31, where the church had assembled to pray after that Peter and John had been in jail. And this is the manifested presence of God. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now get this. My boy, they'd been praying, and all of a sudden, God just shook the building, just shook the ground. The place where they're assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. God showed up and manifested himself. So that's the awareness of the presence of God. So there's the promised presence of God. That that I just mentioned is the awareness of the presence of God. But then there's the manifested presence of God where God moves and does what he, only God can do. And uh, I preached on Isaiah 64 many times. Uh, in fact, when I preached a convention sermon for the Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans back in 92, I believe it was, I preached out of Isaiah 64. And, and, and that is, uh, the, uh, I talked about the manifested presence of God. And a lot of people want to say, well, 
What is the manifested presence of God? Is it when there's a, a, a demonstration of the spiritual gifts? It, it could be. Is it when uh, somebody gets saved? Certainly. But, but the manifested presence of God is Luke 4, 18. That, that is his manifested presence. There's a promised presence of God. Two or three are gathered in my name. And when they had prayed, the place where their symbol was shaken, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the awareness of the presence of God. But then you come to the manifested presence of God. When God, one way you can know when God is present is when this happens. It says in Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are, are, are oppressed. So, when the gospel is preached to the poor, and when broken hearts are healed, and when the captives are set free, and the downtrodden are lifted up, that is all a manifestation of the presence of God. Now, in Isaiah chapter 64, this is probably the greatest prayer for the presence of God that you'll read in the Bible, where somebody is just crying out to God for his presence, crying out for God to, to show up and to manifest himself. So let's just read a few of these verses. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens Oh, that you would rend the heavens. It, it, it's just like God. Isaiah said, God, would you just tear the heavens open? Oh, God, would you tear open the heavens that you would come down? Now, listen, we're never outside of the presence of God. You cannot go anywhere in this world where there is not the presence of God. But this is talking about his manifested presence. Lord, tear open the heavens. And you come down, that the mountains may shake at your presence. He, Isaiah knew the, the power of the presence of God. You, you know why he knew it? Because back in Isaiah 6, he said, In the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And I saw the angels of what it was saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And he says, he said, I just was broken in his presence. He said, because mine eyes have seen the king, the very presence of the Lord. So he understood what he was praying for. Lord, would you do something? I know you're here. I know you're here. But would you just open the heavens and would you come down and manifest yourself Oh, that you would come down and shake, that the mountains may shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries. Boy, he said, what Isaiah said, Lord, I'm tired of your adversaries going around here mocking you and saying that you don't exist or denying your word. He said, I, I tell you what I want you to do, Lord. Would you come down? As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, 
to make your name known to your adversary. Let people know that you are God. Let them know that you're still on the throne. And let them know that you're still in control. And that you hold their very breath in your hands. And that all history depends on you. And said, will you just ma manifest yourself to your adversaries that the nations may tremble at your presence. Then he goes on and says, when you did awesome things, God, for which we did not look. There had been a time, I guess, when Isaiah and them had prayed. But God showed up and did more than they even thought he was going to do. He said, when you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. Boy, that, that, hey, would you like for him to come down in an unusual way, a manifested way? Man, that's what we pray for all the time. That's what makes church, church. You know, somebody said, Did, how many people showed up? I said, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I, if God doesn't show up, it doesn't matter. But so, it's so, so wonderful when God shows up. And it says, uh, it says, the mountains, the, 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 when you came down, when you did awesome things, verse 3, for which we did not look. And it goes on and says, in verse 4, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear. Now listen to this. Nor has there, been in, nor has there ever seen any God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You know the confession uh, Isaiah just made? He said, you did awesome things for which we did not look. You did more than we ever thought. But you know, the fact is, you're the only God that acts in behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah realized that all the other gods were idols. They had eyes they did not see, ears they did not hear, mouths they did not speak. And he made an awesome statement there. You're the only God who acts for them, who waits for you. Well, we have a great example of that. When uh, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on, uh, on the mountain. And uh, he said, well, let's just find out who God is. And they made the sacrifices, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And the prophets of Baal cried out to Baal and said, whoever answers from, with fire from heaven, he is the God. And so the our prophets of Baal, they, they danced around and they did everything. And finally, there was no response. And uh, Elijah probably said to him, you know, maybe your God is, is deaf. It was just, just an awful thing. They began to cut themselves, but nothing happened. Because there's only one God that acts for those that wait for him. Then Elijah, he, man, he dug, uh, he dug a trench around the sacrifice and poured gallons of water on the wood and just so that they know that it wasn't any way it could happen unless it was God. And he said, now God, you show them who the true God is. Boy, and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And the Israelites began to proclaim, God, you are God and there is no other. Listen, you know, I'm telling you, God acts when you wait for him. God acts when you believe in him enough to call on his name and ask him to intervene in your situation. He is the only God who acts in behalf of those who wait for him. And, 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 and you see the manifested presence of the Lord 
And you go on in the sixth verse, and it says, uh, go verse 5. Uh, you meet with him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. Now, Isaiah said, we, we, we want you to come, Lord. But you've been angry with us because we have sinned. In these ways, we're continuing. Lord, we, we haven't repented. And we need to be saved. We need to be saved. And he goes on in the next verse. Boy, now this, he, he is, he's getting broken before God. He's getting broken before God. And the Bible said God revives the spirit of the humble. And God revives the heart of the contrite ones. It says, for we are all like an unclean thing. Wow. He said, Lord, your people, we're just like an unclean thing. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. And then he made a, a statement about how temporary and how uncertain their life was. Look what he said. We all fade as a leaf, like a leaf. We all fade like a leaf. And, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So here he is calling for God to tear open the heavens and come down to shake the mountains and to shake his enemies, his adversaries. But then he, then he realized, hey, but Lord, we're, we're the problem. Our, our iniquities have separated between us and you, and we're fading like a leaf. But, and, and here's the thing that really troubles me. And this verse I had never forgotten. So he's crying out for the manifested presence of God, for the mountains to be shaken and for the adversaries to know that God is present. And I want you to know one thing. America needs to know that the God of the Bible and the God we, we worship is not dead. They need to know that he is alive and powerful. And the only way he's going to know that when the church is alive and powerful. That's the only way he's going to know it. When in the marketplace we live a life that shows the power and the glory of God. And they see that. And they said, man, there must be something to this thing of being a Christian. I, I'm telling you, uh, they need to see the manifested presence of God in our life. But look what he says. He says, man, our, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. We're like a leaf that's fading. And he said, Lord, these are desperate times. You need to come down. There's some, these may be desperate times in your life. You need the manifested presence of God. This is a desperate time in the life of our church. We need the presence of God. There's a, this is a desperate time in the life of our nation. We need the presence of God. It's a desperate time in the life of Mobile when a cloud of wickedness hangs over us. And if you don't know what it is, it's called Mardi Gras. That's what it is. It's a cloud of wickedness. Cloud of wickedness, ungodliness. You know what the Bible says? It's partying and drunk, drunkenness, lewdness and lust. You say, Brother Fred, you, you are uh, opposed to one of the most uh, good festivals in our city, and it brings in so much money. It is not a festival. It is a pit of iniquity. That's exactly what it is. That offends you, I'm glad. But you don't understand. I enjoy my, uh, my society. Well, won't you try church? It's better. I think it's a little better. Well, let me go ahead. 
But, you know, this is the thing that bothered me when I saw this. We're all like an unclean thing. Our righteousness is filthy rags. We fade as a leaf. And, and then he says in verse 7, and this is what I want you to listen to. There is no one who calls on your name. It was a desperate time. The mountains needed to be shaken. Oh, they needed to be shaken. God's adversaries needed to tremble before his presence. Israel needed a touch from God because they were fading. Their iniquities were causing them to fade away as a leaf. But listen to this. And there was no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For, for you have hidden your face from us and consumed us because of our iniquities. You know what Isaiah was saying, Lord, these are desperate times. We need your manifested presence. But Lord, nobody seems to be desperate. There's no one who stirs himself up to call upon you. And it's almost like Isaiah could not believe it. There was no one who stirs himself to take hold of you, for you've hidden your face from us and consumed us because of our iniquities. I never will forget this why this verse is so etched in my mind. I, it was on Airport Boulevard, and you've heard this story before. I pulled into one of those quick oil change places, you know, and when, while they're changing your oil, then they had a little room you would go and sit in, and they'd change your oil. Well, this guy comes in to this room I'm in, and I was just going to relax for about five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes while they changed the oil. He said, Brother Fred, man, am I glad to see you. I have been wanting to talk to you for a long time. And I said, here we go. But let me, he said, do you remember that sermon you preached? It was on television. It's about how God needed to come down and how God needed to make the mountain shake and how God needed to uh, uh, ca uh, uh, cause his adversaries to tremble. And you remember said, how it said there was no one that would stir up himself to call upon you. He said, I was listening to that. He said, I wasn't even saved. I wasn't even saved. And, and I, I said to the Lord, if there's no one that will stir themselves up to take hold of you, then it might as well be me. He said, I got on my knees, repented, and I got saved. And he said, Brother Fred, I'm telling you, I just got back from some mission trip. And he said, I have just seen the glory of God. Man. I said, what if all of us in this church, and these are desperate times in, 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 in your life and my life, and whether it's our health, whether it's our finances, whether it's our children, whether it's our job, listen, we live in constant, but we are really living in desperate times because our nation is on a slippery slope, quickly sliding uh, uh, toward the wrath of Almighty God, which is already, if there was ever a time who would, when we would stir ourselves up to take hold of God. Man, it is now. And I don't care what you're facing in your life. Lord, you could say, Lord, would you tear open the heavens? 
Would you come down? Lord, you know this mountain that's in my life here. God, would you shake it? Would you shake it, Lord? And, and Lord, you, you know uh, uh, this other situation. Lord, cause your adversaries to tremble. You know, if there's ever been a time that we need to cry out and call upon God, it, it is now. And, and, and so we need in America and we need in our lives the manifested presence of God. It goes on and says, uh, in verse 8, he, he kind of changes things. He's been asking God to come down, to shake the mountains, to confront the adversaries. And, but then he's confessed their, their own sin and their own failure to call on God. But then he says, in these two words, but now. He's changing things. He says, but now. But now, O Lord. This is a new day, Lord. But now, O Lord, you are our father. And we are the clay. You are our potter. And we are the work of your hands. Uh, and, and the work of your hands. Do not be furious, O Lord. But re nor remember our iniquity forever. Indeed, please look. For we are all your people. You know, that he just came to the point. Said, we're, 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 we're desperate, Lord. And I know we hadn't been what we ought to be, but now, but now, Lord, you're our Father. You made a covenant with us, and we are your people. And you remember, Lord, you said you're the potter, and we're the clay. Would you just mold us and make us into what we're supposed to be? Will you mold us and make us into what we're supposed to be? And, and, and then he talked about the condition of that world, and, and just look what it said. Your holy cities are a wilderness. Hmm. That, 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 I should, that would be talking about the religious condition of America, of the major denominations, all included. Your holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem is a desolation. And he goes on in the next verse. Our holy and beautiful temple where our fathers praised you, is burned up with fire. And look at this. All our pleasant things, things that we depended on to satisfy us, things that we looked to to make our life meaningful, all of our pleasant things are laid waste. They're laid waste. What a picture. The holy cities, the wilderness, the pleasant things, Will you restrain yourself because of these things, O oh Lord? Will you hold your peace and affect us very seriously? You know, so I, I want you to realize that your, your, your need is this, and my need is this, that we not only live each day with his promised presence, knowing that when we gather with two or three people in his name, and have surrendered to him. And we worship him. And we pray. God's right there in the middle of us. And he'll give us an awareness of his presence. A promise of his presence. But you know in our lives. We need to ask him. To make us aware of his presence. That we would live with an awareness. Of the presence of God in our lives. You know. Uh, 
it's, it, by the way, this thing of being an aware, aware of the presence of God, it is much more than an emotion. It is much more than a feeling. You know, somebody told me this last night, a Friday night. Remember when Paul and Silas uh, were singing and the presence of God came down on that prison? It just came down. And all the doors of the uh, 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 prison flew open. And Paul and Silas left. But not one prisoner left. Well, why was that? Because they had never experienced the presence of God like they were right then. Man, they didn't want to leave the presence. They didn't even know what it was. But they didn't. It's amazing. They could just walk out the door. But they didn't go. Oh, now, has there ever been a time in your life when God, God would move beyond his promised presence and you would become aware that you were in the presence of God and you never looked at your watch. It never mattered. You just knew that you had moved somehow out of the present into experiencing eternity and you were getting a little taste of what it was going to be like when you got to heaven and there was the unhindered presence of God. Oh, I, I'm going to tell you something. Boy, you look back and they're kind of mile markers in your life. When you, when you experienced the presence of God. You just experienced it. And you never, never got over it. I remember years ago, I was somewhere in Mississippi preaching. And I got a hold of a book called Victory in Christ by Charles Trumbull. And I'd gotten to about the third chapter that is entitled, The Life That Wins. And man, I read that chapter, and it said there's only one life that wins. That's the life of Jesus Christ. And that is the life of Jesus Christ in you. And man, I read that chapter, how that Jesus Christ, life in us is the life that wins, and that he is our strength, that he is our wisdom, he is our righteousness, he is our sanctification. And, and the life that wins is a life that dies to itself and allows Christ to live. Man, I read that, and I'll tell you the truth. I don't know. It's just the favor of God, just the grace of God, the, the, the presence of God like a cloud. I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I'm telling you, it, it wasn't the Hilton, but it might as well have been a palace. I'm telling you the truth. The presence of God, and I, I, I've never, ever forgotten that and how I long for it again and again. And I know you've had times when you just sensed his presence and, and, you, and you knew what it was to be in the presence of a holy one. And, 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 you, and you realized that you'd moved out of time into eternity and you're getting a little taste of heaven. I'm telling you, that is glorious. Well, let me say two or three things about this. He asked God to shake the mountains. He asked God to shake the mountains. Now, let me ask you a question. What mountains are there in your life that God needs to shake? That he needs to come with his manifested presence and shake those mountains in your life. It could be a health mountain. You may need miraculous healing. And the doctors say, if you don't get it, it's over for you. Or it may be a, 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 a mountain of, 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 a, of a troubled child of a troubled, maybe a teenager, maybe older. But there, 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 but there are, are a big mountain in your life. A troubled member of your family. 
a troubled member of them. But you need their mountain there that God needs to shake, that God needs to shake. It, it may be something that it, it, as you face your finances, you, you made bad choices or illness or sickness or unexpected loss of job has caused you. Let me tell you something. You know, that is a mountain that you need to cry out to God about. Lord, you, you shake that mountain. You shake it right before the service. A precious lady came up to me. And for years, her son, who is a wonderful man, young man, but he's just been up and down, up and down, battling addiction. And uh, had a relapse some time ago. And she said to me, Brother Fred, I've come to this conclusion. Boy, and I said, you are, and this is exactly. She said, I'm telling you, he needs a radical encounter with the living God. And so she said, I've gone back and looked at all the sermon notes I had since 2000. I've got all the scriptures about the presence of God and encountering God. And I'm sending them to him and while he's in rehab. And said, I'm, I'm telling him. That he's never going to be free until the Son of God sets him free. And you know, sometimes we don't pray the way we ought. We pray, well, Lord, get him off this and get him off that and get him out of the, away from those friends. No, listen, if they're not right with God, we need to pray, Lord, you let them have a radical encounter with the living God and they will make it in, a choice. Lord, that mountain in their life, you go, Lord, and you shake them. You shake them, Almighty God. And then they will be aware themselves that they need to move in a new direction. Man, we so often look at the symptoms and forget that, that, that God just needs to come down and touch them and move on their lives and change them. You know, I, I don't have to tell you that, that uh, you know, under our present president, we've got our economy is good and all that's fine. But, uh, but I'm going to tell you something. That's not our problem right now. Our problem is the moral condition of America. It's a, that's the moral condition. We are, 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 we are a reprobate nation now. We're reprobate. I mean, from, the, from, the, from Hollywood to some apostate religions, we are, we're reprobate. And I'm telling you one thing. If this nation ever needed to be shaken by God, it needs to be shaken by God now. He needs to shake us at our core. He needs to get our attention. I don't know what it's going to take for God to get our attention. But I'll tell you one thing. If we will cry out to God. If we will be desperate. And if we'll cry out to God. Whatever you have to do. To take this cloud of deception and lying. Off of our land. This cloud of immorality. And hedonism. And humanism off our land. Dear God whatever it takes. You just come. And you shake our nation almighty God. And, and, Lord, you're the only answer that we have. We, we, we're not, the Congress is not going to work it out. They can't even decide on whether we ought to have a budget. They're not going to work it out. I'm just telling you. They're not going to work it out, y'all. I'm, I'm, I, I want godly leaders. And the Bible says pray for those in authority. And we do. But I am telling you, our hope is not in the White House. I am telling you, our hope is in the house of God, where God's people will cry out for this nation. And we've got to do it. It's desperate. Oh, Lord, that you would tear open the heavens and come down and shake the mountain of, of no fear of God 
and of immorality and of deception. God, come and shake us, Lord, whatever you have to do. And Isaiah was desperate. And, and, and so, I, you know, there are, are mountains in your life, personal mountains, national mountains. And boy, the, I'd love to see God come down and just shake the, 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 his body, the remnant, the body of Christ. There is, there is a church. The, the bride of Christ exists in America. It does. The church of the living God exists in America. It, it's not one particular denomination, but all scattered across this land, there are people who have been born again, who know Jesus, who are robed in his righteousness, and who are filled with his spirit. And I'm telling you, God needs to unite them. I just read an article by Nikki Cruz. He said, what if all the true believers in Jesus Christ would unite around Jesus and depend on the Holy Spirit and rise up? He said, this whole nation could be shaken in a day by a church that is united and filled with the power of God. And I said, amen, that is exactly right. But you know, it's something about our own lives, it says here. But God, you're our father and we are the clay, and you are the potter in your hand. You know, I love that picture of how the uh, potter would get the clay, and he would take it and put it on the wheel and, and, and turn it and make it to a beautiful vase. But sometimes there was a, an in, an in, infer, not an infirmity, but a, a, a bad place in the thing, and he'd have to remake it over again. Now listen, Jesus is Lord, Yahweh is the potter, and you and I are the clay. Now the clay has no control over what the potter's hands does. It is, it must, it's submitted to the potter, and the potter makes a finished product that it wants to make. Now, you and I are clay in the hands of a loving God, clay in the hands of a loving Savior. But you know, we have to submit ourselves to the potter's hand. And you know, I feel sure just as in my life, in my life and in your life, the things that as a potter molds us and makes us, that he says, you know, I need to redo that again because that needs to come out. And he just keeps, and you know, we need not to be, we don't need to be satisfied until we, as far as we know, that the potter has full control over our lives to mold us, to make us, and to shape us the way he wants to do. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, we need the manifested presence of God. We need it in our lives personally. We need it in our families. We need it in our church. How I long for Luke 4.18 to be more than a verse. That at Luke 4.18, when you come here, guess what happens? The gospel is preached to the poor in spirit and, and physically. And they hear the gospel and are saved and changed. I want it to be a place when people come that the, the manifested presence of God, they come in here with a broken heart. They have a broken heart. They've, they've been rejected through, through their own choices. They've gone down wrong roads. And they look at their lives and, 
And they just look at that as a broken vessel. But I long for this to be a place that they can come and experience mercy and experience God's love and experience a people who takes people in. You don't have to be perfect to come to Luke 4.18. You just come as you are. And you find people who are here who are merciful and embrace you and help you on that journey of Jesus healing your broken heart. I long to see that. And I long to see people who come who have held captive. They're just bound. Whether it, Hey, by the way, it's not just drugs. See, so many people are bound by bitterness. So many people are bound by unforgiveness. So many people are bound by greed and covetousness. So many people are bound by uh, things, tragedies, and hurts in their past. Oh, th- th- listen, th- th- there's never a service in this, this place where there are not scores of people who need to be delivered. God wants to deliver you. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. And that's the manifested presence of God. When people are saved, when broken hearts are healed, and when people who are bound are freed from whatever has them in its clutches, that is the work of the manifested presence of Jesus. He said that's what he came to do. Jesus came to save the lost, to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives, to, to give sight to the blind, and where he comes and there is not only emotional healing, but there's physical healing, where the church prays for the sick and they are healed. But then there's also, we, we often miss this, it's the last thing. And he said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, deliver the captives, give sight to the blind, and listen to this. Set at liberty, set at liberty those who are oppressed. He said, you know, there are a lot of people that are beaten down in life. They're beaten down. They're beaten down. They're oppressed. They're oppressed. And Jesus said, I came to take those that were beaten down and those that were oppressed. And I came, I came to lift them up. I love that verse. He said, he took me out of a horrible pit. He took me out of the miry clay. He put my feet upon a rock and put a new song in my heart. Oh, how long to see people who come to Luke 4, 18, who are in a horrible pit and their feet are in the miry clay. You ever tried to get out of miry clay? But they encounter Jesus in this place and he takes them out of that horrible pit and out of that miry clay, puts their feet on a rock. And puts a new song in their heart. You know, today we we were led by the Spirit just to worship, to just to worship uh, Yahweh, Jehovah, to worship Jesus, to welcome the Holy Spirit. But it's almost like God is saying to us, "You be the one that stirs yourself up to lay hold of me, and you cry out like Isaiah, O oh God." Tear open the heavens and come down. Let the mountains shake at your presence. Let your adversaries tremble at your presence. You're the only God who acts for those who wait for you. I'll be honest with you. My my prayer, my heart's longing, for for many years, I, I don't know when it became was that when people came to the place of worship, 
regardless of their background or whatever it was, that they would have an encounter with God. That, that may be the last thing from their mind, but they come in these doors and they have an encounter with God. And you see, here, here's what breaks my heart. There are people who come to church every Sunday, many here, and to other places. They come. They need to be saved. They got broken hearts. They're held captive. They need healing. They need to be lifted up. But they come in that way, and they go out that way. My God, that's not the way it's supposed to be. When they come and there's the manifested presence of God, they come in and they encounter God, and they leave a different person. I never will forget, and we'll close with this, that I went to visit on a Monday night a, a, a man and his wife who uh, had come to Cottage Hill that sun, Sunday morning before. And I knocked on the door, and he came to the door. It was summertime, and he had on Bermuda shorts and flip-flops and all that stuff. And he said, oh, Pastor, I am so glad that you have come by to see me. I am, I've, I've just got so much I want to talk to you about. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I'm going to get to say a word or not, this guy. I mean, he could talk the bark off a tree. But I sat down. And finally, when I got a word in, I looked at him. I said, listen, he said, I, I, how long did you say it been since you'd been to church? He said, 15 years. I said, what, what caused you to come to, Luke, uh, to Cottage Hill yesterday? He said, well, I'll be honest with you. My grandmother who raised me, she's dying. And she's not going to live but a few days. And I looked at my wife. And I said, you know, we need to go to church. We need to go to church. And said, we were right around the corner from y'all. And so we decided to come to Cottage Hill. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. When you came to church yesterday, what were you looking for? And I thought he was going to say, well, man, I was just hoping we'd have some great music. But he didn't say a word about the music. And I, I was hoping he'd say, I just wanted to hear some great preaching. He didn't say a word about the preaching. But now I'm going to give you the exact words he said. I've never forgotten them. Here I am. This is at least 40 years ago. He said, I was just hoping that the, and this is the way he worded it, that the presence of God would hit me in the face. My prayer is that anybody who walks through these doors, whether they're saved or lost, that the very presence of God would hit them in the face. Because that's the only person that's going to change them. You can't change them. I can't change them. We can't lift them out of the pit. But I'll tell you, our God is an awesome God. And when he comes down the mountain, shake in his presence. And his adversaries tremble. So what we need to pray for in our lives, in our children's lives, what we need to pray for, oh God, Lord, I, I want to be aware of your presence. But, Lord, I want to see the manifested presence. I want to see happen in my life. And I want to see happen in my church. That which can only be explained by God. Well, what happened? God showed up. What happened? God did it. He's a different person. God met with him. 
Oh, listen. Listen, friend. Our God is an awesome God. And he waits for us just to cry out like Isaiah. Lord, tear open the heavens and come down. And when you're in the presence of God, whether it's the awareness of his presence or of his manifested presence, you know what you do? You praise God. You praise him. You worship him when you're in his presence. Oh, it's so easy and wonderful to worship God when you're in his presence.